Well, one of the things that I've struggled with for a few years now is praying out loud, praying praying for other people. So I knew that was going to be part of the trip, and that's why I wanted to go. And I also wanted to get to know whoever was going. You know, I don't get a chance to really stay after here because i got to get up early in the morning tomorrow. But So there were, those are a couple of things I wanted to get out of it. And um, so Saturday morning, pretty much right away, we had an altar call, and I was paired up with with uh, another person and people came up and, and uh, another thing that I don't that I never thought I was good at is hearing from the Lord hearing his voice telling me you know what to pray for and and uh, I didn't have an issue with that I mean it, it scared I was really scared to do it but uh, the words came and I was able to bless people there was uh, one gal in particular that had uh, her daughter was uh, dealing with drug addiction, and she was like, came up to me and gave me a hug after and, and stuff like that, and it just uh, felt really good. And also being there, um, a lot of the speaking and stuff that happened had me thinking about a lot of stuff, like my relationships uh, with you know friends and family and stuff. How I uh, when I came back. It was really on my heart to talk to my dad about some stuff, and I did that. And I uh, sent my my younger sister, who has a daughter, and and uh, I just um, what did I say? I said uh, I'm proud of you and who you're becoming because she's a fairly new Christian and she's doing really well. She's having Bible study at her house and stuff, and she really appreciated that. That was kind of a surprise for her. Um, so, let's see, and I've been been able to pray a lot more. Just, I, I kind of, in the past I've had a set of time, like in the morning when I get to work, I got like five or ten minutes that I'll I'll say a prayer and stuff, and I off and on on that, and I've been uh, doing that pretty regularly since I've been back, and I just, I have a peace and a joy that I haven't had in a long time. You know, in the first few years as a Christian, it was, you know, where you're, you're on the highs quite a bit, and, and I haven't really had that for a while. So now it's just, uh, I don't have a lot of fear about stuff anymore. So it's, uh, it, was, it was really helpful for me, and uh, look forward to doing it again. And So that's what I got out of it. Awesome. And I'm proud of you, buddy, for real, because when you're specifically, you know that what is going to happen is something you're afraid to do, and you say, I'm going to do it anyway, even though I'm totally afraid. Like, that is what you call courage. I was going to use another word, but at Guys Group, we'll use another word. But that is courage, right? Like, that takes guts to be like, this is going to be uncomfortable, like, the whole time. And it's not just a little uncomfortable. I'm, like, on the spot with a person who desperately wants to hear from the Lord, and it has to be me. And, like, it was, he was a little freaked out by that, but he did it anyway. Like, good job, man. Like, we need to do that sometimes, right? And if someone else isn't around to, like, kick you out of the nest, sometimes we got to, like, just take the leap of faith with God and be like, okay, God, I'm going to trust that I'm not going to fall on my face. I was also able to prophesy, too, which I had never done really before. Because uh, Joe Prosman did a teaching on it, and he had you, 
gave you like seven subjects to try and prophesy to the person next to you, you know, never met her before, and I got like three things out of the seven. I mean, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty cool. So that is pretty awesome. Wow, <laughs> good job, man. So it's it's yeah, clap for Jason. He deserves a hand clap. And some of you have been in that place before and taken that step of faith and started praying for other people, asking for words of prophecy from God, sharing words for, the, for other people. And others are maybe still at that place where you're not quite ready to jump out because that's a little freaky or a little weird or you don't know all about it. And that's okay. You know, we're all, we're all where we're at right now. But uh, God does want to take us further, right? No matter where we are. He wants to bring us closer. He wants to bring us closer to him, but also use us, um, partner with us, I should say, um, in blessing other people. And a lot of people were blessed through Jason and through Sarah and through Tony and everybody else who was there, uh, and Naomi for sure, and everybody else who was there on the trip. Um, and so that was cool. It was It's an honor for a, a sm relatively small community like us to be able to travel with a, like 10 people all the way to Bismarck, North Dakota, and do a whole conference where like tons of people heard from God. And tons of people's lives were changed. And it was like an actual big deal for them. And it was almost not nothing about us. <laughs> like, God just used us because we said, okay, I'll be used by God. I'll, I'll, I'll partner with you, Lord, for what you want to do. And God was like, sweet, finally. Somebody's willing to do this stuff. Let's go do this stuff. So, okay, that was my sermon about Jason's sermon. Um, if it, I'm going to say it one more time, and then I'm not going to invite you again. If you want to be closer to the fire, you can. If, if you're just a tiny bit chilly, you can move around. We can even semicircle. Like, it, it's all good. Um, it is a bit chilly out. And so if, if you want to be closer to the flame, this isn't like a trick. Like, those who don't get close to the fire don't want Jesus. Like, that's not... that's. Um, no. I think we could shut off the light, though. No, you can do the other one, too. Yeah, there we go. Ooh. Now I will be shrouded in mystery. <laughs> We're going to tell ghost stories about the Bible. Did you guys ever read that thing how when Jesus died and went into the ground, a bunch of dead people came to life and started witnessing about Jesus to everybody? Like, that is straight up in the Bible. What? And that's a good segue because uh, the title of the sermon tonight is Zombie Christianity. So, come back with me. 20 years ago, my freshman year of college, right? 20 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I am old. <laughs> okay. My freshman year of college, and it was awesome. Um, I, I, I got into a community right away, kind of like this one. Um, met a lot of friends, and it was a good community where I could bring my other friends to, and they could be a part of it. And, and we grew closer to the Lord and one another, and we learned a lot about God and had a lot of great fellowship. And I, I grew a lot closer to the Lord and to these other friends, and it was really, really awesome. And I got to see a lot of fruit 
of the spirit in my life and do ministry and try new things. And it was really awesome. Um, and so the year started out great. And I, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, like in God. Um, and so I got promoted to the next level, like in the spirit. And some of you have been through things like that. Well, I got to the next level now, and all of a sudden, God was like, all right, well, now that you're here, there's some things we got to deal with. And I'm like, okay, God, let's do it. And then uh, it turns out it wasn't fun. Um, Sometimes God needs to pull stuff out of us that has taken root for some reason. Um, In the parable of the sower, Jesus casts seeds, which is the word of God. But it also talks about uh, weeds. To grow up in our hearts. So sometimes things grow up that are the Lord, and sometimes things grow up that aren't, that are the weeds. And uh, it turns out I had a bunch of weeds in my life, and I didn't really know it. Um, a lot of it was connected to identity. Um, I wasn't succeeding at leave it, living the Christian life the way I thought I should be. And so I was really down on myself, blaming myself, thinking that I was a you know, filthy, horrible person and all this kind of stuff, wondering why I just couldn't be better and do right. Um, and also a lot of identity issues just related to me personally were coming to the surface. Um, I've shared a little bit about this before, but I have a medical condition. It's a genetic disorder called hypohydrotic ectodermal dysplasia, which you've never heard of unless you've heard me talk about it before. Um, it's very rare. It's, uh, rarer than one in a million. Um, so I'm literally, you know, one in a million, um, except I didn't win the lottery this time. Um, and you know, I, I have a lot of natural self-esteem and also arrogance. Um, and so growing up, I didn't really feel that bad about myself. I didn't feel like handicapped or whatever. Uh, my parents did a good job, you know, helping me with that. Um, but the, the disorder involved a lot of things. It a lot of, involved a lot of health problems. I can't go places that are super hot, so I couldn't go out and play with my friends in the summer and stuff like that. So that was kind of a bummer. Um, but the big thing for me growing up was that um, part of my condition was I had very, very thin hair. I mean, now I shave my head because I just went forget it. Um, so I don't have any hair on my head right now because I shave it off. But if I didn't shave it off, there wouldn't be very much there. And when I was a little, little kid, I looked like I was 60, like in terms of hair. And that's not as fun when you're a little kid because people make fun of you and call you names and all that kind of stuff. And when you allow yourself to listen to the devil and the enemy, he tends to whisper stuff like that to you. And the more vulnerable you are, the more difficult of a time you're having, the more the devil lies to you. And so I started believing a lot of stuff that wasn't true. Getting smoke in my eyes now. Um, I'm not crying. I just... There's fire in my eyes. Um, not yet. Um, and so all this stuff was coming to the surface. Now, growing up, I didn't really struggle with, like, identity issues regarding this stuff. Um, I just sort of shoved it down. Like, I'm a big, strong Viking guy. Like, whatever. You know, I'm probably bigger than you, whoever you are, for making fun of me. I didn't hit him because I didn't have to because I was big. Um, and uh, so I was just like, whatever. Um, but I didn't realize that I wasn't letting that stuff go. I was shoving that stuff down. You know what I mean? And here I am now, freshman year. It, the year had been going great, and it just takes this huge turn. And all of a sudden, all this stuff that I had shoved down for, like, 18 years, all of a sudden, like, I realized that that had ma- made a crack, like, in the foundation of my soul, if that makes sense. And I had reached a new level now in the spirit, and God's like, we need to deal with this crack that you got in your heart. We need to deal with that because you're not going to be able to go any farther 
until we've dealt with this. And so it was really rough, and uh, God was doing heart surgery, and that never feels good. Um, and he's trying to pull this stuff out of me, and I don't want it to be there, and yet, for whatever weird reason, I'm hanging on to it. And maybe some of you have been there too, especially with identity issues. For some reason, we start to define ourselves sometimes by negatives, and we sort of own them. We're sort of like, yeah, you know, I'm this thing that isn't good. And so we hang on to that, and we don't let ourselves get healed. We don't let God heal us from whatever it is. We hang on to it, and it's weird, but I was doing that. I didn't really, if someone had said, this is what you're doing, I'd have been like, no, I'm not. Uh, but I was, you know. I was hanging on to that stuff. Um, and so uh, I was feeling, you know, unworthy and unloved and frustrated, and the devil was telling me, like, you're, you're never going to meet a girl who will love you because you're, you know, you're a freak show and, like, all this kind of stuff. And it would get worse and worse and worse, especially at night. Everybody else is sleeping. No one's around to, like, befriend me or say good things to me. And I am listening to all the bad stuff. Um, most people didn't know it. My best friends knew. But I was good at putting on the happy Christian face, um, which isn't good, by the way. And then something happened. I, I don't know how to phrase it other than... I got a revelation from God, a revelation about um, Galatians 2, verse 20. If you've got a Bible on your phone or whatever, why don't you pull it out? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Um, all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm heading down a bad path, right? I, I'm well on the way into my first depression, right? And I smack into this big wall of a Bible verse, and God uses this to bring me revelation. If you've ever gotten revelation from God, you probably know a little bit about what I'm talking about. It's not that I learned something that I didn't know before. I already knew this verse. I was very familiar with it. But God revealed it to me in a new way. It's like he opened up my eyes so that I saw it even bigger than it was before. He, like, shoved that down into my heart, down at the foundation, the bottom of that crack. He, like, super glued, filled up that crack with this revelation of who he was, Galatians 2.20. And here's what that says. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, that I could preach for months on that verse, but um, the first part of the verse is the re was the revelation part for me at that moment that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lived in me. Christ lives in me. And I've all, I, I knew that forever. But all of a sudden it hit me that I'm dead. Like this old Nate that I'm freaking out about is the old Nate. And he's dead. I'm spending, wasting all this time worrying about the problems of a dead man. That is a waste of time. That's dumb. Like, what am I doing? That's not who I am. That's the old Nate, the dead Nate, the zombie Nate. Okay? He's gone. He's dead. I am now living through Christ. And the, the, it just hit me in a brand new way before that I had, that I had never really thought of. And, um, of course, baptism is the metaphor there. We die with Christ and we're raised again to new life. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 and I preached about this a couple of weeks ago, but therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old self has passed away, meaning died. Behold, the new has come. So when we have been placed in Christ, 
our old self, that sinful self, that selfish self is dead. It's not even alive anymore. And we are now something new, something totally new, totally different. And God tells us all throughout the New Testament who we now are. But most of the time, we think of ourselves still as the old person. And that is the problem. That's the problem I was having, and that's the problem that I think many of us has. We don't get past the cross to the resurrection, if that makes sense. A lot of Christians have a good understanding of the cross, which is like the most important thing that's ever happened in history, right? So we should have a good understanding of that. And we understand that our sins were paid for. But it's like we stay, we stay there, and we don't get past that to the resurrection, where we're now somebody new. The resurrected Christ now lives in us. We're a new person who now gets to live a totally different life than we lived before. And we need to, I think, grab a hold of this whole power of the resurrection thing. Um, and so in the, in the course of a few weeks, my life changed forever. And it's, it's never gone back. Because I finally realized that I don't need to waste my time worrying about a dead guy. I just need to live in the truth that that mate is dead. Um, but here's the problem, right? Our old self is dead, but it's not gone. It's never gone. It's, it's still with us, okay? It's dead, but it's still around. It's, it's a zombie, okay? It's literally a zombie. Our old self, our dead self, our old nature, it's dead, but it's not gone. It still follows us around. It still tries to remind us of what we used to be or what we still act like sometimes. It's trying to get us all the time. And I like this metaphor because I, I'm a science fiction nerd, as you know. Um, and uh, the idea that our old self is dead made sense to me, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but I still sin. So my old self is dead, but, but like it still happens, right? I still screw up. I'm still selfish sometimes. I still do all that, so what's the deal? Like, is it dead or is it not dead? What's, what's going on? And I like this analogy because I think it answers that. Like, our old self is dead, but it's not gone. It's following us around all the time. And what the devil tries to do is he tries to use that zombie following us around to get us distracted from looking at Jesus and instead look back at him. Look back at the devil. Look back at the zombie of what we used to be, our old self. And it tries to lie to us all the time. And it says, this isn't who you used to be. This is who you still are. You are still this disgusting, like decomposing, nasty thing. That's who you really are. You're a filthy, disgusting, nasty thing. And we need to always remember the truth that no, that's not true anymore. That was us, but it's not us now. God has made us into something better. He's made us into something new. We are not our zombie, but it doesn't go away. It follows us around all the time. Um, and sadly, it will all our life. Our old self will always be there trying to distract us, trying to tell us that we are not worth anything, that we are disgusting, that we should just live that way. See, the devil tries to say, this is who you are. This disgusting zombie thing, that is who you actually are. This whole new person in Christ thing, that's just a fairy tale. Or maybe that's what heaven is. You'll be that way in heaven, but not here. Here you're still a filthy sinner. And that's just the way it's always going to be. But that's a lie. See, the devil's really tricky. He doesn't lie usually with stupid, stupid stuff. He lies with stuff that sort of makes sense. He says, well, you just did this and this and this. This is all zombie stuff. 
This is all old self, sinful nature stuff, selfish stuff. So since you keep acting like that, that's obviously who you actually are. You actually are that. And if you're that, then God's clearly not going to love you because you're disgusting. And I've talked to a lot of people who are like, I, I don't believe God loves me. I don't even love myself. I'm horrible. And they're Christians, <laughs> right? And this is, this is not good. This is not what God wants us to do. Um, so in life, our zombie is always going to be following us around, trying to distract us, trying to convince us that that's the way we are and not the new man. Fortunately, heaven has a no zombies policy. It's up on the pearly gates. There's a big sign, no zombies allowed, um, which is good because in heaven, we don't have to worry about being tempted anymore. We don't have to worry about being reminded how terrible we are or were. Um, so here's the question. How do you defeat a zombie? Somebody, come on. Headshot, you destroy its brain, right? You defeat a zombie by destroying its brain. What does a zombie prefer to eat? Brains. So zombies really love to eat brains. The way to kill a zombie is to destroy the zombie's brain, okay? And that is exactly what's going on here. Your zombie is after your brain. He's after your mind. This is all about the way we think, the way we choose to think. He's after your brain. He wants to get you to say, this is who I am. I'm this terrible, disgusting thing. I've done all these things. God's not going to hear me when I pray. I'm not going to be able to minister to anybody. I'm not going to be able to help anybody else's life. I suck. How could I ever hope to do that kind of stuff? And it's like, see, you're disgusting. Um, this, your, zombie, your zombie can talk. Um, and he's really just a puppet for the devil right? This is what the devil tries to do to get us. And he, but he attacks your brain. He doesn't, like, your old self doesn't, like, physically try to kill you, right? That's ridiculous, because it's a metaphor, for one thing. But also, we're talking about mental stuff, spiritual stuff. Your zombie, your old self, tries to attack your brain. It tries to get you to get confused, distracted, thinking wrong stuff. That's why all the time, the New Testament is like, hey, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's about your mind. The word repent means to turn or change. But in a lot of contexts, it's actually talking about your thoughts. Oftentimes when it says repent, it's talking about thoughts. Like there's a very good argument that can be made that when John the Baptist was at the Jordan River saying repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, what that actually meant was change the way you think because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's not just about change your ways, which is why you often see repent and change your ways. They're two different things sometimes, depending on the context. And so there's a lot in the New Testament about changing our mind, changing the way we think. Now, we can't do that ourselves. We can't just decide, I'm going to think better thoughts. But we can decide, I'm going to humble myself and ask God to help me think better thoughts. The, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ, so that is something that we can have. We can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We don't have to let our zombie get us and get us to think all this stupid stuff um, and see, that's what happened to me my freshman year. I was feeding my zombie. Zombies love brains, right? Well, I was feeding it my brain. I kept thinking these bad thoughts. Every time you believe a lie that the devil tells you, you just give that piece of your brain over to the zombie. And the more you feed it, the stronger it gets, okay? The more of your thoughts you give over to your old self, the more of your thoughts you give over to the enemy, the stronger that gets in you. And pretty soon it gets really hard to think anything else. Pretty soon you start feeling really, really carnal, which is why the Bible says when you sow into the flesh, you reap corruption. 
It means when you keep allowing yourself to think, and especially think, but also do, to think the wrong stuff, that leads to corruption, corruption of your brain. You start getting zombie brain. You start actually thinking like you're zombie instead of thinking like a child of God. And that's horrible. And that's what happened to me in my freshman year. And I started falling in this little depression pit and feel, just feeling terrible. And I, honestly, I kind of started feeling like a zombie. Like I wanted to sleep all the time and I just didn't want to do anything. And it was crazy because I kept believing the lies. I kept believing what the devil was telling me, what my zombie was saying about who I was and not believing what the Bible says, what God says about who I am. Does God ever lie? A little more enthusiasm. Does God ever lie? No. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Levi. And so if God never lies, then what he says about us in the Bible, that is true. Does God ever change? No. God never changes. And so whatever God says about us in the Bible is not just true. It's always true. It's always true. And so when the Bible says you are holy and blameless and loved and you are righteous, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, when it says that, it's not lying. God is not lying to you when he says you are the new man. You're not the zombie anymore. That's not who you are. Even if sometimes you believe the lie and act like that, even if sometimes you let the devil tempt you and you give in and you act like that, that's not who you are. You're the new person in Christ. And the Lord <laughs> mercifully helped me to finally see that and helped me to fight back. You have to fight a zombie. You can't ignore it, all right? There's, there's this weird thing in Christianity that says, well, just ignore the devil. He'll, he'll get bored and go away. And that's so not true and not biblical. You can't ignore a zombie. Like, if there's a zombie coming over here, I'm, I can't just be like, no, there's not. It's fine. I'm going to oh, my gosh! Like, it'll eat me. That's what it does. It won't stop. It'll eat my brain. It'll kill me. Okay? You cannot ignore the devil. The Bible does not say ignore the devil. It says to fight him. Let's look at the verse. That's the verse, dude. James 4, 7. If you got your phone out, flip to that. Or if you already memorized it like Levi. James 4, 7. Okay, this is zombie fighting 101. James 4, verse 7. Levi, say it again real loud. Resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. And so there's uh, two things we get to do, according to James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God, first part of the verse, and then resist the devil, and he will flee from you, is the second part of the verse. So if you want to defeat your zombie, what, how do you kill a zombie? You destroy its brain, right? you got to hit that sucker in the face with a sword. That is how you kill a zombie. And that is how you stop the devil. I'll try to do this without killing anybody. That is how you stop the devil from getting at you is you use the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Now, God might give you a specific word. He might give you a prophetic word. He might show you a Bible verse. The word of God is the sword of the spirit, which is used to defeat the attacks of the enemy. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, submit yourselves to God is the first part. Don't cut your foot off, Nate. I'm going to set this down. So submit yourselves to God. That's humility. Step one is humility. Submit yourselves to God. If you're being attacked, if you're being lied to, if you're having a hard time, even if you started to believe some of it and you're, not, you're just not doing well, it's time to stop and humble yourself before the Lord. Just get down on your knees. 
confess the, any sins that you have. Confess the lies that you've believed from the enemy. Confess what your zombie's been saying that you're like, yeah, I did that. I thought that. Confess it. Give it up to the Lord. Humble yourselves before God. Submit yourself to God. And ask Jesus this question. You ready? This is a very important question to ask Jesus. Who do you want to be for me right now? Jesus, who do you want to be for me right now? In this situation that I'm going through, this temptation that I have, this struggle, this, this identity crisis, this difficulty, this inability in my mind to think of myself the way you see me, the way I really am, what do you need to be for me right now? And let him tell you that. Let him show you that directly. Let him show you through his word who it is that he needs to be for you right now. And then hang on to Jesus with both hands. Hands, like arms and legs. Like a little kid jumping up in the, in, and you're like bear hugging arms and legs. Grab onto Jesus as that aspect of who he is and hold on for dear life. Okay? We humble ourselves before God. We say, Jesus, who do you want to be for me right now? Who do you need to be for me right now? And we do that. So that's part one, submit yourselves to God. Part two is resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, the word resist does not mean ignore. It does not mean pretend that it doesn't exist. The word resist in Greek actually means to stand against in battle. It means to fight. The word resist means fight. I don't know. Resist just sounds like such a wussy word to me. I don't like that, that that's in the translation because that's not what it means. It means resist. Like if someone's trying to kill you, you try to kill them back or at least stop them from killing you. You fight them. You resist them. That's the metaphor here. That's what's going on. The devil is trying to get you. You, just don't, you don't just pretend he's not there. You don't pretend it's not happening. You don't just say, I'm protected by Jesus. There's no attack. No, you say, hey, devil, and you fight it. You fight him, and he will flee from you because Jesus has given you the victory. Okay? You're not going to lose. God says you're not going to be tempted beyond what you can bear. And so when your zombie comes at you and tries to get you to think the old way, to think the selfish way instead of to think what God wants you to think. You need to use your sword of the spirit and you need to stab that sucker in the face. And each time you do that, each time you resist the devil, each time you fight off your zombie, it's going to flee. It's going to back off. And God's going to help you to think what you're supposed to be thinking about. Uh, I'm not going to pass that around just in case. I don't know if our insurance policy covers... Accidental sword damage. Here, I'm going to pass these around. I know it's too dark to read them right now, but I want you to bring them home. Grab one. There's stuff on the, on the front and the back. These are verses about who you are in Christ. Okay? I said we need to use the sword of the Spirit, right? Which is the Word of God. There's a whole bunch of words there. Front and back side. Th that is the Word of God. There's like, I don't know, 40 things. Or something like that. All of those are true because does God ever lie? No. All of those are true for you right now because does God ever change? No. And so everything in there is true. That is just, just a portion. That's not everything. But that's just a portion of who you are in Christ. That is who you are. You are not your zombie. You are not the selfish guy or girl. You are not the sinner anymore. That's not who you are anymore. And so every time the devil tries to get at you, every time the zombie tries to say, hey, this is who you are. Feel terrible about yourself. 
Don't approach God because he's not going to listen because of this. Don't do this. Don't do that. Every time he comes after you, I want you to submit yourself to God. Humble yourself, and I want you to fight it back. Stab that sucker in the face and say, no, God does love me because it says so right here, and quote it back to him. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. Use the word of God right back at that thing. I literally say these verses out loud. If I'm being tempted, if I'm being attacked, if, if, if things just aren't going well, whatever it is, I will literally f- ask God to help me find the verse I need because the Holy Spirit does that. Jesus promised us that the Holy Spirit will come and remind us of everything that he said, and he will come to lead us into all truth. And so if you need a word from God and you're not getting it, ask the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that he will do that for you. He will help lead you to a scripture, or he'll give you a word that's direct, wh- whichever. And you take that word, and I will speak it right back. I will literally do it out loud. I, so people have maybe seen me do this sometimes. I don't know. I probably look cra- crazy. I often do it on the bus when I go in the city. No, just kidding. Um, but, like, no, I'll usually go somewhere by myself, like, you know, wherever I pray or somewhere by myself. Or if my kids are around, I'll do it because they don't care. Dad's weird. Um, and I will literally say it. No, the Bible says I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. I am not selfish. I do not have to give in to whatever I want to do. I can submit myself to God because I'm dead. Dead people aren't selfish. Christ lives through me. That is who I am. Okay? And there's other verses that talk about a lot of other things on here. And so I want you to take these home. I want you to look them through. Maybe keep it in your Bible. Keep it somewhere good. I can always give you more copies if you want. But this is ammunition. You know, this is, this is, this is a sword. <laughs> that you can use, specific things to attack the enemy. Remember, we asked Jesus, who do you want to be for us right now? Oftentimes, the answer to that is one of these verses. If you're getting attacked in one area, Jesus says, I want to be the opposite of that for you. And here's a verse that promises you that's exactly who I am. All you have to do is use it. Walk in it. Believe it. And keep saying it over and over again. Memorize the verse. Every time you're afraid, say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That is who I am. That is my inheritance. That is what I'm going to live in, stupid zombie. I do not need to be afraid of anything ever. Because the Bible is true. What God said to me is true. He doesn't change. He doesn't lie. This is the way it is. And so you are the person on that sheet. That is who you are. That is your new, per- your new man, your new creation. You're not your zombie. And so if, if some of you have been having a tough time listening to the old self or getting confused in your head about your identity, about who you really are or who you're called to be, um, Feel free to come up and talk to me, or I can pray for you, or meet with you, or help you walk through some of this stuff. But this is a really good skill to learn. The Bible says, do not conform to the way of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a process. It takes time, and it's something we need to do. We need to allow our minds to be transformed into the mind of Christ. It's all about our heads. It's all about your brain. Don't let, don't feed your zombie. I want that on a shirt someday. Don't feed your zombie. Anybody have any questions?
Thank, thank you, Paul and Paul. <laughs> Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Anybody have any questions? Anybody feeling courageous enough to share maybe a personal way that your zombie tends to come at you? Because we all have specific ways, right? I mean, all our zombies will come at us any way they can, because that's how the devil is. But we all have certain buttons, certain areas, certain weaknesses. Maybe it's something that happened in our past that we're just not quite healed from. Maybe it's like a favorite sin that we have a hard time getting away from. Anybody feel brave enough to share a way that your zombie tries to get at you and eat your brain? Um, I'm just reminded of a teaching that Todd White has said um, when the enemy tries to come at him with lies, he, he uses it as a way to, um, you know, uh, just to kick him in the teeth. He's going to use that to bring him closer to Jesus. So, like, if, like, okay, for an example for me, like, questioning about what, um, like, my future is going to look like or the details and then you know what, like just choosing to say in response to that, like, thank you, God, that you have um, plans for me and hope in a future and using that just to bring me closer to who God is and um, using that to, you know, as the sword of the spirit, just like enemy, I say you're trying to create distance, but I'm going to use this opportunity just to bring, like, draw myself closer to Jesus, do the opposite of what his intent is. And it's, um, yeah, just using the sword to get closer to Jesus instead. <laughs> I think that's good. It's really true. And I have a whole teaching on, you know, using the sword of the spirit. And one of the things, one of the truths is this. In armed combat, like two guys fight each other with swords, a counter strike is more effective than an attack. So an attack is you're waiting, okay, ah, you hit at the guy, he blocks it or he hits it with his shield. A counter strike is they attack you, you block it, and then you hit him. A counter-strike is always more effective than an attack because you have the ability to knock their short sword and shield out of the way first for a split second and then swipe at them, okay? So when the devil comes at you, when he attacks you, that is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to fight it off and give a counter-strike, a counter-blow to what the enemy is trying to do, in, which means this. If the devil is trying to get at you to make you feel, for example, that you're not loved by God, if that's, if that's the thing, the love of the Father, you're, you're not that loved by God, he's not that into you because you stink or whatever it is. What that means is that is an opportunity for you to get a revelation of the love of God in a brand new way that you've never experienced before and to be able to experience the love of God to a greater degree than you have ever experienced in your life. That is what that means. So anything the devil is trying to get at you in any specific area, think about it. What is the area? And what is the, what is the awesomeness that God wants me to get on the other side of this attack? If the devil's attacking me in the area of, am I going to find a spouse? I, 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 and you're worried about that and you're afraid and you're, you're like, that's never going to happen for me. Okay? If the devil is attacking you in that area, you, you, can, you can come back at that and say, no, God has a plan for my life, devil. You're an idiot. God has a plan for my life. He knows exactly what is best for me, and he will 
see his will accomplished in my life, and I am going to cooperate with him to make it happen as easily and quickly as possible. And so God will absolutely do for me what he desires to do for me, and you can't stop it. I'm not going to stop it either. You come at the devil with whatever it is that he's trying to come against you with, and then you get to experience the exact opposite thing the devil wants you to experience. And oftentimes, the area that the devil is attacking you in is actually the area that God already wants to bless you in. Because sometimes the devil's a little smarter than we are and pays more attention. And so he might be looking at our life and say, "Uh uh-oh, the Father God is about to give her a revelation of his love that is going to change her life forever and make her invulnerable to my attacks for a really long time because she'll be so caught up in the love of God and so safe in the love of God that she won't even listen to me. This can't happen. This is bad. So then the devil goes in and says, I'm going to try to convince her she's unlovable so that when God tries to give her his love, she won't accept it. She'll say no. And so he comes in and says, you're unlovable, and here's why. Here's all the reasons. And all those reasons make a little bit of sense. If we start listening to him and they're like, oh, maybe that's true, we start listening to our zombie. So he comes in to try to circumvent what it is God wants to do. Does that make sense? And so oftentimes, the area of attack you're experiencing, the area of um, you know, struggle that you're experiencing might be exactly what it is that God wants to do for you. Except, of course, he wants to do the opposite. <laughs> so if you're really, really struggling in an area and you need to humble yourself then it's probably because God wants to grant you more authority in the Spirit. In order to get authority in the Spirit, you have to prove that you're humble. Does that make sense? Okay. We could go on and on about that. Anybody else have any questions or anything to share? I encourage... Well, thanks, Naomi. You don't listen to your zombie, do you? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this one can. There's, or maybe it's telepathic. I don't know. I'll have to work on that analogy, that part of the analogy. But the, it used to be our brain, our old brain, so he can somehow speak to us and try to tempt us. So I encourage you to take the, take the sheet of paper, put it somewhere, memorize it, take a picture of it when you have light. Um, take a picture of both sides and keep it on your phone, something like that. Because um, that is really valuable stuff. That is all true stuff about who you are in Christ, your new person. Um, to come up against your zombie when he tries to get you so you can smack him in the face because it's fun to do. And it is fun to do, isn't it? I think we've all had that experience before when we have fought off the devil and we've won. And it kind of feels awesome. It kind of feels good. I like it. And we can't get that good feeling unless we fight. David couldn't have gotten the rewards God wanted him to get if he didn't fight Goliath. Did you ever think about that? From the Israelites' perspective, Goliath comes at them, and they're like, oh, no, there's this giant. What are we going to do? Oh, we're all dead. And David walks in and says, hey, there's a giant. This is going to be awesome. They all think he's nuts. He's not. He's on God's wavelength up here, okay? Because he knows that that big, giant problem that is coming against him is actually just a big, giant opportunity. And at the end of it, God is not only going to see him through the problem, but he's going to do something awesome because of it on the other side. And so David kills Goliath, and he gets his sword, and he gets his armor, and he gets a position in the palace. And a wife. Those are some pretty good things. Yeah, he cuts off his head. And so, and I don't, I don't know how David even picked up his sword, because Goliath's sword must have been gigantic. Um, David was a kid. 
yeah. So sometimes our problems are actually blessings in disguise. So that's where humility comes in. Keep humbling yourself before the Lord and saying, God, you, you're smarter than me. Show me what it is you want to do. Be who it is you want to be for me right now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that with everything that comes into our life, whether it's something you sent intentionally into our life or not, whatever comes into our life is an opportunity for us to fight off the devil, to fight off our zombie, to succeed in you. Every attack is an opportunity for a counterattack. Every attack is an opportunity for you to show yourself strong to us so that we can grow closer to you. I thank you and praise you that you work all things for good for those who love you. Even situations that you didn't plan, that you didn't intend or, or intentionally cause. God didn't send Hurricane Matthew to the East Coast, but it happened, and despite all the horrible stuff that's gone on and all the destruction and death and pain, God is still going to use a lot of that stuff for good. And it's hard to imagine that, that he's going to do it, and it's going to be incredible in the lives of a lot of people. That's the kind of God we serve, and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that you are so much more capable than we are, or that we even give you credit for. You have got our lives under control. You know what you're doing, because you've already seen it all. It's all like past tense to you. It's already happened. You know exactly what's going to happen. You've already seen it. Lord, help us to put our trust more in you and less in ourselves. Lord, we want to give you the, the steering wheel of our lives, but we constantly try to grab it back. And we confess that, Lord, and we, we apologize for that. We want to give you control. Jesus, we want you to be Lord of our life in every area. So help us to humble ourselves before you and to use your word as a sword when our old self tries to get us to believe that that's who we really are instead of who it is that you have made us. And give us a revelation, Lord, more and more of who we are in Christ, of what that really means, of who our new self is, what she looks like, what he acts like. Show us more and more who it is that we're already called to be. I thank you, Father, that you love us exactly how we are. You don't love us for our potential. You don't love us for how awesome we could be in the future. Your word says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You love us exactly how we are right now in this exact second looking at this bonfire. You love us exactly like that right now. And we thank you for that. And we pray that the power of your love in our lives would overcome the attacks of the enemy, would overcome our zombie trying to tell us lies about ourselves. Help us be transformed, Lord, by the renewing of our minds. More and more every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.